When I was growing up, uh, my mom and dad, they did the best that they could to teach me right from wrong. They gave me instructions on life. They taught me how to do this and, you know, gave me the guidelines and, and how to live. And for the most part, I, I did a good job. You know, I wanted to be obedient to my mom and dad, and I wanted to do uh, what they wanted me to do. I mean, it's just a way to not get in trouble and not have to spend half of my life in the backyard was to listen to them and obey them, their instructions. But every once in a while, what would happen is, is they might give me kind of a, a little antidote or a little proverb or a little saying, if you will, to kind of coincide with their teaching. It was kind of a, maybe a word picture of, of how to live my life, uh, a little proverb or an illustration. And um, at, at, a, at appropriate times, it was important for them to do that, a little pearls or nuggets of truth, if you will. So uh, maybe you heard these things growing up, and maybe you even use them now. A little proverbs or nuggets of truth. For instance, actions speak louder than words. You know, what you do is more important than what you say. And when it related to me with my mom and dad, is basically they said, listen, don't, don't tell me that you're going to change. Show me that you're going to change because your actions speak louder than words. Two wrongs don't make a right. We all know that. Wrongful conduct is not justified just because somebody else does it. And normally that was my mom saying, listen, Clint, you can't hit your brother just because he hits you. You, you can't do that. Two wrongs don't make a right. Mind your own business, you know, take care of your own business. Don't be worried about what other people are doing. And again, that was probably told to me and my brothers because we were so uh, wanting to tell on our brothers for what they did. And my mom and dad would finally say, you know what you need to do is you need to mind your own business. Uh, money doesn't grow on trees. It requires effort to get and receive money. You know, we lived in Alaska for, uh, for, for three or four years. Expensive to live in Alaska. Five kids. My mom and dad, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Listen, it's really hard. we got to sacrifice. we got to make some changes here because money doesn't grow on trees. And the last thing that they would probably um, share with me at particular appropriate times was that uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. Explaining sometimes is easier through a picture, through a word picture, than maybe just telling uh, the, 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 the words or trying to explain it or maybe reading a piece of paper, you know. Um, a picture is worth a thousand words. Now, I was taught all of these um, because they kind of parallel life. They parallel the things, the instruction that my mom and dad wanted to give to me. Well, what's interesting is this, that Jesus taught in a similar way. When you look at the life of Jesus and the way that he taught, he taught in a variety of ways. He used illustrations. He used examples, Proverbs. He would pull out the Old Testament. Maybe he would do a miracle, but he used a variety of ways. And the reason he wanted to do that, because ultimately he wanted to communicate truth. Truth about who he is and what he had come to do for us and how it relates to life. And so he would teach in a, in a wide variety of ways. And last week we saw that Jesus used a, 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 an illustration from agriculture, from a, a sower, a seed, and, and four different types of, say, of soil. And, and what he was trying to do is Jesus, in his words, he's trying to communicate spiritual truth to us by using an illustration or an example from life. And he did that so that we would have a, a deeper grasp of who he is and, and what he's done for us. So what Jesus is doing in, in the Gospel of Mark is he's continuing this idea of teaching. We're in, a, we're in a segment here. If you were to kind of look at this, uh, this sign up here, we looked at the life of Jesus. Well, we're in the listening part, chapter 3, chapter 13, or about listening to the words of Jesus because he has some instruction to us. And what we want to do is we want to be good listeners. And, and what we have this morning is we have this idea of, of a lamp. Jesus is going to use himself as, an, as, as a lamp, a, a lamp that's come in the midst of the world. And, and what is the purpose of a lamp? Well, a lamp would be something similar to what I would have here. An oil lamp would be something just like this. It would have an oil lamp with a wick. And, and the purpose they would have this is because, obviously, they didn't have electricity. So what they would do is they would bring a lamp, well, just like this, and they would put it in the house somewhere. Maybe they would put it on a ledge. And 
Um, they would use it to, to light up the house. And what you didn't want to do is what you didn't want to do is to take this lamp that was lit up like this, and you didn't want to put it and cover it. There's no way that you would want to do that. Why? Well, because it defeats the very purpose of why you have a lamp or why you have a light. We need light to be able to see, especially in the midst of darkness. At nighttime, you, you need to be able to see. Jesus even used an example of a woman who lost a coin and said, what does she do when she loses that coin? Doesn't she light a lamp and go throughout the house and, and look in the nooks and the crannies and the corners? Why? So she can find that little lost coin. She searches it. We, we need light. Light exposes the darkness. And if you put a covering on it, what happens? Well, it's going to suck all the, energy, the oxygen out of it, and eventually what's going to happen, that, the light's going to go out. And what Jesus does is he uses his life as an example of light. He is the lamp that has come to display to the world the brokenness of this world, to display to the world that he is the light of the world. And what he's going to do is he's going to take this idea of lamp and light and give us some proverbial sayings to expand it if we have ears to hear about the blessing of the light and the blessing that the God wants to be through the light of Jesus Christ. He wants to remind us through proverbial sayings the importance of listening to Jesus, following Jesus, reacting to Jesus, and trusting the very word of God to bring ultimately blessing in our lives. That was the, 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 the idea behind the soils. The blessing would come 30, 60, 100 fold. That blessing's in the cold if we are faithful in proclaiming the word of God. So what I want to do is I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 20, 21, and we're going to look at this idea of Jesus being the lamp, Jesus being the light. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. Let me read God's word, and let me tell you and show you from God's word what Jesus is saying about his life. Mark chapter 4, verse 21 says this, continuing the context of the uh, parable of the soils. It says, he said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, you put it on a lampstand. Why? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone here has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, what he has will be taken away. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you that you are the light of the world, that you are the lamp who has come to enlighten our lives. Father, to reveal to us the nature and the character of God and how we can look and trust you for who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you that you are the light of the world. And no matter where we might find ourselves in this place of darkness, the darkness of the human soul, Father, you have the might, you have the power because of who you are as God to enlighten our lives and show us who you are and how we can have ultimate meaning and purpose in life. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us and teach us this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So what I want to do is I want, I want to take you back to a, a time in the life of David. Um, David is getting older. He's going into battle with the Philistines, and it's an important time. And uh, it's his life at this particular point in time was in immediate danger. He was in immediate danger of, of getting killed. Remember, he's the king. He's in, in danger of getting killed. And in 2 Samuel 21, verse 17, notice what the text says. It says this, But Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle. 
so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. What's happening here? King David was likened to a lamp as a light. To what? To the nation of Israel as the king. He was their leader. He was the one who came and went. He was the one that led them throughout all of their battles. And they're saying, listen, I don't want you. We don't want you going out to battle because if you die, the lamp of Israel is going to be threatened. It's going to be punched out. And I think what Jesus does here in verse 21 is he reminds them that he is the lamp from God, the lamp of the world that's come to enlighten the world, if you will. There is another way of looking at verse 21. It could be read like this. Does he, does the lamp come or bring, does the lamp come for the purpose of being placed under a basket or a measure? Has the lamp of Jesus come, the light of the world come? And so what we do is with it, we just take and we, we put a covering over it. We put a basket over it and extinguish the light. He said, no, he's not come to do that. I've come to be a light to the world. I've come to illuminate your lives. I've come to help you. John chapter 8, verse 2, Jesus says in one of his I am saying, I am the light of the world. I have come to enlighten your lives. I've come to illuminate your life. I've come to expose the very darknesses of the human heart, the recesses of your heart, and to enlighten you so that you can come and follow the light. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 4, notice how the Gospel writer John portrays Jesus' life in, in a portrait of light. It says this, in him, Jesus was life, and that life was what? The light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself, John, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Jesus came as a light in the midst of darkness. In the light of sin, the light of sickness, and the light of Satan. He came as light in the midst of darkness. Why? To give us the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. To radically change and transform us on the inside so that we can be entirely different people by the light and the glory and the picture of who Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. John records Jesus being even more directly with his words in John chapter 12, verse 46. He says this, I have come into the world as a light. The lamp, like I said, verse 20, the lamp has, the lamp has come. The lamp has come not to be hidden or concealed, but to be revealed. The light of the world has come into the world. Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in him should stay in darkness. Jesus is that light who's come to shine in the midst of darkness. At the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, in the beginning of the Gospel, before Jesus has even begun his ministry, he is baptized, he goes into the desert where he is tempted by Satan. And before he even goes out, it is recorded him in the Gospel of Matthew what his life will be like, how he will bring light in the midst of darkness. Matthew. Chapter 4, verse 16 says this, The people in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. That is a quote from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. That is a quote about the role of the Messiah, the role of who the Messiah would be and what he would do and how he would come. And in the midst of the darkness of light, he has come to open our minds and our heart to the gospel. I am the Messiah. I've come to bring light in the midst of darkness. I've come to bring light in the midst of sin and shame. Will you follow me? And so Jesus coming off this parable reminds the people that, listen, I am a lamp who has come. What will you do with the lamp that has come? Will you hide it? 
Will you dismiss it? Or will you live your life in such a way that the light and the lamp of Jesus Christ shines no matter where you would go in life? And I think what, what Jesus does from that illustration, that example, if you will, is that he begins to remind us of the beauty of the light and the purpose of the light. In proverbial saying, indirectly, if you will, for those people who have ears to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, uh, what might we learn about the light as Jesus has revealed himself? I think there's three things here. Number one is this. Jesus as the light has come to illuminate our lives, if you will. Look at verse 22. Four. Okay, four. I, I'm going to give you the illustration. I'm going to give you the example. I'm going to give you the reason of why the lamp has come. Four. Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. What Jesus desires to do is this. He wants to illuminate your life. He wants to illuminate my life. The light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to come and to shine in the very recesses of our heart and to point us ultimately to him who is the greatest treasure in life. What do you do with that light? What do you do with that greatest gift? Notice it says, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Something is meant to be brought out into the open. Okay, so my, my second little thingy me bob here demonstration is so this is october and we're getting ready soon uh there's a lot of decorations going up for christmas some of you are already probably uh, have bought your christmas presents some of you have already purchased them and so when you buy let's say you're buying gifts for your children Let, let's say this week you go out and you buy gifts for your children well what do you do with them if you were like my family like my mom and dad they're like what we do we would take those gifts we might wrap them and then what we would do is we put them in and then we would go and hide them right we go put them in the back of a closet hide them under the bed maybe in the basement we would do that for a purpose because we know how sneaky we were and we know how sneaky our kids are. And what do they do? They want to know as soon as it gets Christmas time, whenever you go out and they're alone in the house, what are they doing? They're looking through all the bedrooms, under the bed. They're, they're trying to find these gifts. At least that's the way it was in, in our family. So what do you do? You, you hide them, but you hide them until an appropriate time. For us, my mom and dad didn't bring the gifts out until... After we went to bed, they would bring one set of gifts out and put it under the tree on Christmas Eve. And we hated that they would do this because we all knew what it was. It was our underwear and pajamas. And some of you are just as mean and cruel, and you did it because that's what your parents did. Or some of you, maybe what you do is you bring out the gifts, maybe a week or two, you put them around the tree. And, and maybe what you do is you don't put the names or labels on them, right? You kind of be sneaky. Or, or maybe what you do is you wait until Christmas Eve and then everyone opens their gifts. But, but the point is this, you don't buy a Christmas gift with the idea of hiding it forever unless you forget it. And some of you have done that, right? Oh, yeah, what did I do with that gift? I don't know. We don't buy gifts to hide them forever. What do we do? We buy gifts to bring them out at the appropriate time. The appropriate time for Jesus had arrived the Messiah, the light of the world, had arrived. How will you respond? How will we respond? Do we have ears to hear? Do we have eyes to see? The wonder and the beauty of who Jesus is. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? I'm going to explain to you about the kingdom of God. I'm going to demonstrate to you about the kingdom of God. I'm going to demonstrate about who I am and what I've come to do as a light in the midst of darkness. And by the way, if you go back and look in the gospel, what had already been disclosed or revealed to them about Jesus? 
that a man who was in the synagogue and possessed by a demon could be freed by Jesus' words, by simply casting out the demon. The darkness of the human soul of this man was brought to light by Jesus merely speaking a word be gone. A man living in the darkness of leprosy, living away from everyone else by himself, living away from the darkness of leprosy, is freed by Jesus coming and said, by the way, be clean. And by the way, I want you to be a light and go tell the priests what just happened to him. He didn't do it. The light of Jesus' words, the light of Jesus' action had come to fruition. That The power of the Messiah had come and revealed to them in a mighty, mighty way. To the religious leaders, the paralytic, by the darkness of, of being alone by himself. He can't do anything. He's so dependent upon other people. He's, he's brought into the house, and, and Jesus simply says, take up your mat and go home. All of these examples of darkness have been hidden in the past and now in the unique person of Jesus as the Messiah. It's being revealed to the world about the mighty and the power. Messiah has come. You can find healing. You can find redemption. You can find all things. Will you listen and follow him as the lamp who's coming to the world as the light of the world? And what Jesus would do is he would continue to unearth things for them. He would continue to reveal to them the hidden things that they did not know and could not comprehend as he walked through the three and a half years for them. They couldn't understand it all at every particular point in time. It was hidden to them. It needed to be disclosed for them. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 8, there is a transition in the Gospel. Mark chapter 8. And Jesus goes to the people and he says, listen, who do the people say that I am? He goes to the disciples and says, who do the people say that I am? It's in Caesarea Philippi. A transition point. Who do the people say that I am? Well, some people believe that you're the prophet, uh, Elijah who's come back, or, or one of the, the, the guys from old. And then he turns to the disciples and says, who do you say that I am? Remember that time? Remember that? And Peter puts his hand up and says, I know, I know, I know. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You're the Messiah. Ding, 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 ding. You got it right. By the way, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Heavenly Father in Heaven revealed that to you. And you know what immediately Peter does? Jesus begins to say, listen, because of the Son of Man, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be rejected. They're going to turn me over. They're going to beat me. They're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to crucify me. And three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And what does Peter do? He rebukes Jesus. He says, no, no, you can't do that. You can't go to the cross. And Jesus has to say, you've got your mindset on the things of this earth, not on the things of heaven. See, they couldn't understand it. The life, death, burial, and resurrection. Even though Jesus told them, I'm going to go to the cross, they couldn't reconcile in their minds about who he is and what he's come to do in life. Until after the resurrection. Until after the resurrection, they saw the resurrected Jesus. They saw his life. They touched him. And over a period of 40 days, he spent time with them, teaching them about what? The kingdom of God. And then all that Jesus had disclosed to them, the hiddenness about their purpose in life, would then be revealed through the ultimate power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God coming to live inside of them. Because Jesus said at the beginning, remember, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They had not become fishers of men yet. 
He said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not prevail against it. Peter had yet to go to the Gentiles. He had yet to go to the Jews and reveal the message of the gospel of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had yet to fulfill Matthew chapter 28 and the Great Commission. Go into all the world and tell people about Jesus, that I am the Messiah, and that they can have the forgiveness of sins. Jesus was continually revealing himself to the people. There's nothing hidden that Jesus doesn't want to be revealed. Jesus came to illuminate our lives. He came to illuminate the meaning and purpose of who he is and how we can have a changed life. Let me ask you, has Christ illuminated your life? Then you are a radically different person than who you are. Second truth I believe we find in this. Are you listening? Are you listening? Look at verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear carefully. Consider what you hear. This is a repeat of chapter 4, verse 9, where he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and, and more than this being a rebuke, even though it probably is a rebuke, more than it being a I, I think what it is, it's an encouragement. You know why? Because sometimes when you sow the seed of God's word, it gets very, very discouraging because it's not accepted at times. There are hard hearts out there. There are people with divided hearts out there. And I think what this ultimately is, is this is a reminder to, to the people that Mark would be writing to, the community of faith that the people would be writing to. Listen, don't give up. Continue to sow seeds out there. Go out wherever that, that you encounter non-Christians and be the light of the world. Share the message of Jesus Christ because eventually it's going to bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Keep listening to my words, and as you go out, keep proclaiming. Even though people don't hear, it will be a message to them that they had ultimately rejected, rejected what God has offered of salvation to them. When you look at the Gospel of Mark, that's what the Pharisees They saw a miracle of a paralyzed man being healed, and they couldn't reconcile it with the fact that Jesus said, I come to offer forgiveness of sin. They couldn't reconcile it. They could see the miracle. They could see this guy was transformed. They could see him walking, but they couldn't recognize and accept the spiritual truth about who Jesus is. People of Nazareth. He grew up in Nazareth, his own hometown. He couldn't do any miracles there. Why? Because they didn't believe in him. They didn't trust in him. He's a hometown boy. Why should we put our faith and trust in him? He's a hometown. We, we watched this guy. I changed his diapers as a kid. I'm not going to put my faith in trust. The Bible says even his own family were not believing in Jesus. They come to get him at one particular point in time because they thought he lost his senses. You think you're this Messiah guy? You think you've lost your senses and they've come to take him away. Listen, not all people have ears to hear, but you don't know who has ears. And you know how Christ will transform a life. What you and I have to be faithful to do is to proclaim the word, to sow the word, and to be a light in the midst of darkness. That's what we have to be faithful to do. And the Bible says at some particular point in time, it is going to bear fruit. Because it's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the Spirit of God. And it's dependent on the Word of God. And that's why we have the responsibility that has to go out and spread the Word, share the Word, throw the seed out there. We don't know if there's a hard heart, a rocky soil. We, we, we have no idea the hearts of a person. Jesus said this in John chapter 3, kind of a description of the world that you and I go out into. John chapter 3 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Why will some people not come to Jesus? Because they don't want the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ to expose their life and to confront them with the reality that they are accountable to a loving, holy, perfect God. 
we love the darkness. Verse 20 says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his dear deeds will what be exposed. Light illuminates, but light exposes the very dark recesses of the human soul, of my life and your life. That's why we need the light of the glory of gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, what, so that it may be seen plainly what he has done, and it's been done through God. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are we listening to Jesus? Listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of voices. You young people, what are you, what are you listening to most of your day? Are you listening to godly counsel to your mom and dad? Are you listening to social media? Are, are, are you listening to maybe some of your family and friends that aren't necessarily embracing Jesus? Listen, there, there's political stuff out there. There's social stuff out there. There's moral stuff out there. There's all kinds of things out there in the world. What are we listening to? And are we allowing the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus to transform us? The word care, consider carefully in this text, it means this. It has the idea of look at what you hear. Isn't that interesting? Blepo. Look at what you hear. What do you see in the messages that are coming across to you? Are they healthy? And are they aligning up with the word of God? See, the beauty of Jesus is the lamp that he comes to illuminate us. The responsibility that you and I have is to listen to him. And I, I believe the reason that we, we want and should listen to what he has to say is the lamp is because of the blessing that comes. The blessing that comes. You realize that there is a blessing? He's already talked about in the parable of the, the sower, the soil is 30, 60, 100 fold. That's a huge, that's a huge blessing of crops. But notice the blessing that we have with Jesus is a light in verse 24 and verse 25. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. What's interesting is, is verse 24 has this idea of, of measuring. It, it, it's a bowl or a basket. Remember, he used the, you don't take the lamp here and you don't put the basket on top of it. Well, he kind of uses the same thing with the bowl or the basket. And he's talking about measuring. Now he's talking about a, a, a measure. How, how do you measure your life? How do you measure the things in your life? Well, can I give you just a really silly illustration? Can I just do that? Because these are kind of proverbial sayings, I, I thought, well, maybe I can help us understand by maybe demonstrating some of this. So what I did was this. This is a whole bucket of chocolate chip cookie dough. Right? So I like chocolate chip cookie dough. But if my wife came up to me and said, would you like some cookie dough? I, I, I would take some. Now, what would you take? How much would you, would you take? Would you take, like, this is like a little, a quarter of a teaspoon. Oh, Yeah. I love chocolate chip cookie dough. How much would you like? Oh, you know what? This is all I want. I, I don't need any more. I'm so polite. and I really don't want to show my true character, if you will. Listen, if you like chocolate chip cookie dough, you're grabbing a scoop, and you're putting it on your plate, and you're saying, and by the way, I'll have another one. Okay, that is a silly, a silly illustration. But how, let me ask you something. How do you measure the worth of Jesus? Isn't he the most beautiful person that ever lived on the planet? And all the wonderful things that he's done in our lives? Do you just want a little bit of Jesus? 
No, I'm going to keep Jesus right there. I, I like where Jesus is at right there. I'm going to keep him right there because then if he's there, I can control him. And I control what I listen to and I control uh, about my life. But if I see the beauty of Jesus, I want to scoop out all of who he is and all of his attributes. And I want to say, Jesus, I love you. And I know what you've done for my life. And by the way, when I do this, he says, I I'm going to give you back. I'm going to give you more of who I am. There's a spiritual principle here of, of going after Jesus and following Jesus and listening to his word and responding to him. And he says, by the way, when you do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to add more to it. It says, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. I want to be measuring big stuff. I don't want to be dipping in little small things. And even more, verse 25, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. By the way, there's a warning here. There is a warning here. If you continue to reject who Jesus is and what he's done, the text says, listen, I'm going to remove that from you. I'm going to take it because you're not responding to my revelation. You're not responding to my words. Maybe you're like one of the soils. Maybe you're hard soil or a rocky soil or, or, or maybe you're something else. But there's a warning here. Do we see the wonder and the beauty of Jesus for who he is? Luke chapter 24, post-resurrection. Two guys on the road of Emmaus are walking. Jesus appears to them. And Luke 24, verse 32, it says this, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You know what that burning within us, hearts burning, you know what it means? It's like a fire inside. It's like, man, we were with Jesus, and there's this fire just burning inside of us. And I think that that's what Jesus desires to do for us in who he is in the revelation given to us. When we continue to pursue, not in a legalistic way, but in a loving, caring way for who he is and what he's done. There's a spiritual principle that God wants to direct your life and add to your life. Proverbs chapter 9 verse, two, 9, verse 9 says this, and listen to the principle. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. I want to be that way. I want to be a wise man, but I don't want to just stay here. I want to be wiser too. There's a principle here that you're going to continue to grow. I, I want to do that. I don't want to coast. Teach a righteous person and he will add to his learning. As we read, study, meditate on the life of Jesus. As we come to him, as the, as the light of the world opens our minds and our hearts to the reality of who he is and what he's come to do for us, I'm going to add more. And by the way, when it's really, really hard and difficult, and life is really hard and difficult at times because we all go through them, sometimes you're just barely hanging. He says, listen, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll walk through the waters with you. My compassion is good. My compassion is great. Take my yoke upon you and I will help you. Proverbs 18, verse 15 says, If the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, the ears of the wise seek it out. Galatians talks about you reap what you sow. What are you sowing to right now? You're going to reap those benefits, blessings, whatever. Real quickly, three points of application, and then we're done. How should we respond to Jesus as the lamp? First of all is this. If you've not responded to Jesus, you need to respond to him as the light of the world. You need to look to him. You need to trust him. It's the light of the world because he will expose your sin. He will expose it. But, but, but he won't just expose it. He'll do something with it. He went to the cross and offered himself as a sacrifice for sin. He says, well, listen, what I'm going to do is, is I, I'm going to cover that so you don't have to walk in darkness anymore, the darkness of the human soul. I, I like to follow what goes on in our culture and our world. And I see so many people suffering from depression and difficulties and challenges of life. 
and, and I know that to some benefit, Jesus can help us and open our minds and our hearts to the light of who he is and the wonder and the beauty of who he is. I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but it's a beginning point to open our eyes to Jesus and who he is and how he identifies with us, even in the midst of the brokenness of life. Listen, he suffered. He went to the cross. He was beaten. He was mocked. All of those things, he is our empathetic high priest. And he invites us to simply come to him. John 12, verse 46 says this, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me shall stay in darkness. Respond to the light of Jesus. The second application is this. Be a listener of the Lord. Allow healthy voices to speak to your mind and heart. It could be a family member. It could be a friend speaking God's truth into your life. It could be a song. It could be God's truth speaking to you in a wonderful way about who he is and what he's done for us. Psalm 119, uh, many of you have memorized this verse, says this. Um, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus is the lamp that's come to lighten our path. Colossians says this. It's, It's absolutely beautiful verse. Colossians 3. My purpose, Paul's writing, is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom are hidden all the treasures. Is Jesus your treasure? He should be our treasure, shouldn't he? Come to Jesus. And the last point of application is this. I, I truly believe that Jesus' point is this. I am the lamp who's come, and I need to be uncovered and revealed. And what we are responsible for doing is not covering it, but going and taking the message of the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our family, to our friend. This is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it. I truly believe that Jesus is encouraging the disciples. He's encouraging these people. Mark's encouraging these people that you are a light in the midst of darkness. Now go live that light. One last verse when we're done. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says this. For you were once darkness, but now what? You are the light in the Lord. What? Live as children. So wherever God may take you this next week. Students, listen, you're a light in the midst of darkness. It's your job. You're a light in the midst of darkness. To your neighbors, we're light in the midst of darkness. Let's allow Jesus to be that lamp. Let's not cover him, but let's, let's open the light of Jesus to those that we would come. Father, thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that every person in this room who's responded to you, their eyes, their hearts, and their minds have been opened to the reality that Jesus is the light of the world. Father, we don't have to walk in darkness. Father, I thank you for the wonder and the beauty of Jesus, that in him are hidden all the wonderful treasures of knowledge and wisdom. Father, thank you for him. Father, I pray that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, that we would cast our cares upon him, that we would love him and trust him. And Father, I do pray that we would be a light in the midst of darkness. Father, I pray that for myself, I pray that for all of us, that you would open doors for us to speak the mystery of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.